0: Welcome to the show this morning, Women's Voices, Women's Wisdom on Yass FM, and my name's Kath Kovac, and in the studio with me today, I have Katie Anderson from Gulp, how are you going, Katie?
1: Hi, I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm um, really... Thanks so for having me. Oh, you're
0: welcome. <laughs> um, so, we're just not sure what we're going to talk about today, but that's all right. So, I'll just give a little bit of background to um, Katie and how I met her, and then um, we'll just go from there. Sure. Yeah. So, um, Katie, I met Katie at my drumming circle, which I hold in Goulburn. Little plug there, 6.30 on every second Friday, Goulburn, Quantum Now, drumming circle. <laughs> and so Katie came along. This is right, isn't it? I did, yes. Yes, came, yes, yes. Katie came along to one of my early sessions and she just loved it. She just loved the drumming. She didn't have a drum at that stage, but she really liked my drum, which I had, which was um, a uh, drum I had made, a medicine drum or frame drum. And she really liked it. And so after a while, she found somewhere where she could go and make one of her own. And she has, and she really loves it. So, I love watching Katie at drumming circles now because she gets so into the drumming and she's on another planet. (laughs) And, um, it's fantastic. So, so Katie loves drumming and Katie also has started a women's circle in Goulburn, which is fantastic because I don't, I don't know, but I don't believe Goulburn has probably had a women's circle before and Katie started one because, well, she just wanted to, So, which is great, which is what I did as well years ago. So, Katie, tell me, uh, what took you to the drumming circle that fateful evening? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I was actually driving down to Milton to visit um, my friend down there, and she um, invited me along to women's circles down there. Um, And the lady that is a facilitator down there does drumming circles in her women's circle. Um, And the first time that I did a drum journey, it just spoke to me in ways that I can't even explain. Um, And I walked out of there and I was like, I need to find where I can do this. Um, And the very next weekend, I caught up with Sue, who owns Quantum Now. We did a Reiki session um, in Mossvale together and in the car on the way she's like you need to meet Kath Kath does drumming circles you guys are going to hit it off Um, you need to go and so I did and here we are <laughs> I just think you're amazing and your circles are amazing and um, I've m- been making it a priority every fortnight to come along and meet new women and drum with you and it's just amazing I love it.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, that's beautiful. Um, yes. Yeah, so Sue is the owner of Quantum Now, and uh, she loves to do drumming as well. And so we do it in her shop, <clears throat> and she has a great time every night as well. So, Katie, you mentioned it was the first time you did it. Pardon me. <clears throat> you mentioned it was the first time you did a drum journey. Can you please explain for the listeners here on SFM who may not be familiar with what a drum drum journey is what you what it is and what you experienced in that time
1: um for me it's like a knowing and I can't really explain it other than that um I just remember the first time that I did it I like I've meditated before and I've done you know all the things and it was just like it hit different it just took me somewhere that I'd never been before it was like my spirit guides were walking me to this fire and I distinctly remember like they were holding my hand and walking me to this fire and showing me like all of these wonderful things and I know it sounds real (laughs) weird and out there but it was just like oh my gosh like I feel home and I feel supported and um, it just hit me different and it's still to this day every time I do a drum journey it just hits different Um, and I can't really put it into words. It's just one of those feelings that I get. Um, It's like that distinct mother heartbeat within. Um, And it just brings me joy. And I just love it.
0: Mm, Yeah, I feel similar with drumming. So I think that as women particularly, we're quite connected to drumming because... The drum was originally a woman's instrument thousands and thousands of years ago. And, I mean, every, you know, Indigenous community around the world would have used drums and men and women used drums. But the frame drum in particular was a women's instrument. And there's lots of archaeological evidence around the world showing statues from five, six, seven, even more thousands of years ago showing female uh, sculptures figures holding frame drums. So a frame drum is just a circle of, of wood or some kind of material with the animal skin stretch, stretched over the top of it. So it's quite, it's it's uh, wider than it is deep. Um, so if you imagine like a, what, like a car tyre? If you mm-hmm. imagine a car tyre and then with a the skin stretched over the top of it and then you shrink that down smaller, that's basically the shape of a frame drum. And that's the kind of drums that Katie and I both have made. Um, and yeah, so you might also have heard of them called medicine drums or shamanic drums or anything of those, the words, it all means the same thing, but it's basically a frame drum. So Katie, after you came to my workshop, as I said, you really liked my medicine drum and you wanted to make your own. So mm-hmm. could you tell us a bit about that process?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, so I actually went down to Berry. There's a lady, a wonderful lady down there that, um, has drumming workshops and I booked in and I just thought, you know, this is going to be a nice weekend making a drum. Little did I know that it would be a journey <laughs> to make. Um, you know, it's, it's a ritual process. Um, there's lots of ceremonial practices that go into making the drum and calling your drum spirit. Um, and so for me, it brought me on this weird and wonderful journey of my life um that I wasn't really expecting to happen um and now when I connect to my drum my drum spirit comes through and it's like this she takes over (laughs) my body and you you would know like when I'm drumming in circle I just I'm just in another world and I'm like I don't even know what's happened something's just something bigger than me is taking over me and needs to get out <laughs> through yep. my drum. Um, and often you have to stop me and shake me in, in drumming circle and be like, Katie, <laughs> Katie, stop. <laughs> oh, And I'd wake up and be like, oh, my goodness, everyone's looking at me. <laughs> but I just – it's just a process. And I'm so grateful that it took me where it took me because I'm now a different person because of of that.
0: Mm, I, yeah, absolutely. And – uh, it's so funny that you say that I'm shaking you. I'm being very gentle. I'm more patting <laughs> her on the shoulder, everyone, just in case you think I'm shaking this poor girl backwards and forwards. <laughs> but um, she does get really into the moment. It's just beautiful. You know, it's fantastic to see. So, yeah, I also made my drum. Uh, Katie, at the same lady, as you know, Bastian McPhee, who lives in Bury, and she is well, quite an amazing lady who's very much into the shamanic path and is very connected to the native american sort of indigenous type of thing uh and when i went to make my drum which was a few years ago now i found it was yeah really difficult it's a real process isn't it mm, yeah mm, like physically physically yes yeah. and mentally, mentally? yes mm, yeah and yep. and uh so It was a fairly different experience because when I went, it was just a six-hour workshop to make the drum and there was a little ceremony but not much, whereas yours was a weekend. It was a weekend, yeah, so two
1: pretty much full days um, of working with the skins and cutting the skins and it was so interesting because, like you, you know, thank the animal for being there today and and all that, but you have to um, cut in a circle for you, like the lacing at the back. Um, and I remember cutting the lacing and she was like, these are your life stories. And I was cutting like fatter pieces and skinnier pieces and and then you've got to stretch them all out. And she's like, you're rushing. And like she just explained my life just by watching me cut this skin. And I remember distinctly like stretching the skin and over certain parts I would just be coughing and coughing like it was just a release of all this emotion of certain parts of my life and I would continue on and then I'd go back and test <laughs> test the skin and test the universe and I would cough again at this certain certain part like it's just like this big release for me and I'll continue on and then different sections I'd be coughing and and then afterwards I felt so much lighter it was really an interesting experience because I don't even know why it was just like, these are my, my life stories and I'm working through them and I'm, you know, like they're, they're there for a reason, you know, like, and that's doing that and moving forward, looking at all these hard times in my life. Like I needed to do that for a reason, like, and now moving forward in the work that I do with women's circles, it's, I'm trying to incorporate all that into my circles, you know?
0: Mm. Yeah, so good segue. Uh, let's talk about <laughs> women's circles. I have uh, mentioned them a few times on the program uh, here on YesFM. Uh, basically, the way I would describe a women's circle is just an intentional gathering of women. I mean, they don't have to be women's circles. You can have a circles with anyone. You can have men's circle, mixed circle, kids circle, you know, whatever you want. But Uh, so the general idea is it's an intentional gathering and it's not a conversation as such as a normal conversation is where people talk and then somebody else talks and then not really anybody's listening very well. (laughs) And, you know, everyone has their own agenda and, you know, everyone's got a point to prove and all that kind of thing. So in a circle, we call it intentional because you actually create a safe space by agreeing to principles such as confidentiality and Uh, honesty and non-judgment and you are not permitted to give advice or to uh, you know put your opinion onto somebody else so it's all very uh, clear at the start so there's these guidelines of this space and then when we when the people in the circle do talk it's one at a time uh, which is controlled by you know some sort of object that you might hold uh, like a talking stick, you know, or a talking bowl or a fairy wand or, you know, a cuddly toy. It doesn't matter what it is. Just somebody's holding it. And the person holding that object is the one who's speaking and everybody else is just listening. And they're not permitted to respond, so therefore they're not thinking of what they're going to say next, which is what most people do in a conversation. Uh, so it's really interesting, a really different process. And what happens is when you are allowed to speak, if you've never experienced this yourself... When you are allowed to speak without interruption and you know that you won't receive any advice or judgment in return, it actually allows you space and time to really think about what you're saying and to respond in the moment to any emotions and ideas and subconscious things that come up. And you can really figure out what's going on for yourself, which really, that's all that can ever happen anyway. You know, Um, nobody else can really tell you what to do you have to figure it out yourself. So that's what the circle intentional space allows for. That's my kind of definition anyway. So um, Katie, tell me what's your experience of women's circles originally and then why you felt called to hold your own in Goulburn. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So my beautiful friend moved from Goulburn to Milton um, and I Organised with her to go down one afternoon to see her. And she was like, I've already got this thing booked in. You'd love it. Come along. And so, you know, I didn't really know much about them at the time. I just thought this would be a fun thing to do together. We'll go out for lunch and then we'll do this thing. And I remember walking in and um, instantly felt held. And I have no other word for it than that. I just felt held. And then we did the circle and it was so beautiful and I left and I drove two and a half hours home and I just cried (laughs) the entire time. And I wasn't sad and I wasn't happy. I would just – it just felt like I could breathe and that's the only way I couldn't describe it. It was like like I can finally be who I am without – Anyone judging me, I can say what I need to say and I don't need people to fix me. Um, and I just felt like I was home. <laughs> and I like people say, what are circles? What do I have to do? What do I have to say? Like, you know, it's like that real anxious already before they even know what it's about. And it's so hard to describe what they are because it's all about the feels. And I can't even remember, like, the topic that we talked about. I cannot remember what I talked about. I cannot remember what anyone else talked about. it was just that feeling of, like, home.
0: (laughs) Mm, Yeah, I understand completely. It's... You're right. It doesn't really matter what you say at all. And it doesn't matter if you don't remember what you said or what you did. It's that feeling, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and it's the feeling like for me, it was like, I feel like I've done this before.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. And yes, that's what it is.
0: Yeah. So before we sort of go into your circles in Goulburn, just so a similar kind of story with me, when I went to my first women's circle in the Blue Mountains in 2017, I think it was. And I also just, well, you saved it till you were coming home, the crying, but I I, I was just doing it the whole time there. I literally, every time I went to open my mouth to say anything or to sing or what have you, I just couldn't. I just would start crying. I couldn't actually really talk. I'd be saying, oh, my name's Kath and I, uh." (laughs) or they were singing. I remember that they were singing a beautiful song about grandmothers and I can't remember how it goes, but something about grandmother, I see you sitting in the West and in the East and the North. And I was trying to sing this song and I couldn't. I'd just cry every time I tried to sing. My throat would close up and I would just cry. And I was like, what is going on? What is this place? <laughs> like, this is just in the lounge room of someone's house in the Blue Mountains. It's not like I was in a witch's coven or anything. <laughs> and the ladies were all lovely and, you know, it was just – I don't think I'd sat. And that's the thing is many women, their first experience of circle is they've never sat with a group of women in that way and felt so safe. Because historically – Um, you know, patriarchal conditioning and all that jazz, women don't often feel safe when they are together in a group because women, um, often compete and compare with each other. And, you know, think about a high school yard like nightmare, right? And high school doesn't, high school female behaviour doesn't end when you leave high school. It continues on into the workplace and your whole life through just conditioning of how women are brought up to behave with each other. And in circle, it's, that's all out the window. It's like an ancient way of gathering, isn't it, and connecting. To me, that's all about connection. Um So, yeah, I actually talked to the lady who was running this circle and or her helper. We went outside because I just couldn't stop crying. And we did a meditation thing where you were supposed to visualise something or other and then you were supposed to draw what you felt afterwards. And I was drawing, I don't know, this circle or other and I just was just bawling. <laughs> and then... The lady said, "I'll oh, come, come outside, you know." And I just was like, oh, "I don't know what's wrong." And I'm crying, <laughs> and she's like, "It's okay, like you know, it's a, it is really full on, like when you've not experienced it's mm-hmm. to really experience the the connection, the oxytocin, because that's what happens." So, just a little, you know, biology lesson for listeners here on SFM when you are feeling safe and held and loved then you produce a hormone called oxytocin which is known as the love hormone and it's the hormone that's produced when a woman breastfeeds her baby to help with bonding and it's also a hormone that's produced when women sit in circle in a safe space and their pheromones are floating around the air um, talking to each other and so everyone produce oxytocin and so they'll all feel literally feel you know nice and loving and that's part of what contributes to the space so You know, these days we can have online circles, and they're great too. Really great because with the mute button, you know, you can't be interrupted. (laughs) Especially if you're controlling who can talk. (laughs) But it's not the same thing as being in person Mm -hmm. because you don't get that oxytocin, you know, connection, um, which is a big part of it. So that was a big um, way of saying, um, "Tell me why, Katie." I know you're my guest, but I think I feel like I'm talking more than you. Um, tell me why. After that experience, did you go to more circles, or how? How? What? What was the process between that first circle and you going? Right, I really need to run these myself.
1: Okay, so I made it a monthly commitment to go down because they. I felt so held and supported that I needed that more. Um, so I would make that a m- monthly commitment to go down and see my friend and take some time out for myself um, and do this circle and then come home. And so I was doing that monthly for a little while. Um, And then, so just a little bit of a backstory and going off track a little bit, but um, my family and I, my husband and I moved from Wollongong up to Goulburn. And so we've been here five years now, but still finding our way and still finding our people. And I guess COVID didn't help in those years as well. Um, but just really struggling to try and find somewhere to meet new people. Um, And so the lady in Milton does a facilitator training program and it was actually New Year's Eve and we had all of our friends up at our farm and we were having a big party and it was like 20 to midnight and something like my inner knowing or something came over me and I was like, I need to do this and it makes no sense. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, makes no sense to me um, and I ran inside and I booked in for this facilitator course and done it, done the course made it a commitment every day in nap time to sit there and study and do it, like I needed to bring this, it was like this inner inner wisdom, inner knowing, inner whatever something inside me saying I need to bring this to Goulburn people need this Um, space and maybe that's why I'm here (laughs) Um, one way or another Mm. so I did it I sourced a beautiful space out of Studio 49 um, and it's just amazing up there it's private, it's beautiful um, and that's where I host my monthly circles and I'm doing it and I'm selling out every month and it's just amazing. And the women are just amazing. Um, and they're loving it. I just feel like I'm just so blessed that they come to my space and feel held and supported, just like I did um, down there. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, it's beautiful. Again, we have a lot of parallels. So, I also, after that experience of Circle, even though, you know, I cried the whole time, I was like, I wanted more of this and I want to go to more circles. But, you know, from here to the Blue Mountains is a bit of a hike. <laughs> I guess you went down to Milton. Mm-hmm. But I think from my house to the, to the Blue Mountains, it's about five-hour drive. Um, and so I thought, well, I'll, I'll look around, you know, locally. And, you no, know, because I'd never heard of a circle before I even went. I didn't even know that's what I was going to. I actually was booked into a mother-daughter weekend that my friend, my old school friend, Jane, had said she'd taken her daughter to this mother-daughter weekend. And she said, oh, you need to do this with your daughter. And I said, oh, okay, (laughs) all right, (laughs) I'll pay $600 and go to the Blue Mountains with my nine-year-old daughter for some reason that I'm not sure. (laughs) Anyway, so as part of that weekend, which was all about really for the girls and the For the mums, it was a reconnection to themselves. And for the girls, it was a puberty uh, period menstrual cycle awareness workshop. So it was called um, Growing Something. doesn't matter. And the idea was the girls were given education, really great education, practical, hands-on about the menstrual cycle, about periods, about how to manage them, all the different products that are available these days. Um, you know, because unlike when uh, we were teenagers, well, I know I'm a bit older than you, but I'm assuming even when you're a teenager, that pretty much the options were pads and tampons, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, whereas now, uh, women have the choice from period underwear or, um, menstrual cups or, um, you know, uh, organic products too. So, not having all those chemicals against your body. Um, there's a whole lot of stuff, like, and it's actually reasonably. Priced well—that's another topic because I don't think you should have to pay for it. But <laughs> <laughs> oh well, only that I think it should be the same as toilet paper, right? You know, I mean, just total off the track. It just really annoys me because when you go to the public toilet or office workplace, right, the male toilet and the female toilet, but have toilet paper. Fair mm-hmm. enough. Now. Sometimes women are possibly not prepared, perhaps they forgot their bag, perhaps their uh, period is irregular, perhaps they just, you know, had a miscarriage and it's all over the place, perhaps they're in menopause and they can't predict what's happening from one minute to the next, you know, perhaps they just need some um, pad and they don't have it, right, and they go to the toilet and they go, oh my God, I'm bleeding everywhere, Mm -hmm. and then what do you do, well you just shove toilet paper in there, right? Because that's all you can do. Mm-hmm. And you go outside, you hope you haven't made a mess and you find your friend or anyone and you say, have you got a pad? Have mm-hmm. you got a tampon? Mm-hmm. You know, whatever. And then if they say no, well, when, what do you do, mm-hmm. right? You have to run to the shops. By that time, it's leaked through the toilet paper. Look, it's, you know, I mean, people don't talk about this stuff and mm-hmm. I like to talk about it, obviously. Um, hope you like this listeners well, on the how... SFM too. <laughs> and
1: I was just going to say, like, that's what I love about circles too because we talk about stuff that, no one talks about, and I have like ladies that come to Circle and they're like, I've done the mother's group, I've done the catch ups, you know, I've done this and I've done that, but I love Circle because we talk about real things mm. and we're not judged for that. Mm. Um, and that's why I love circles because the connection is just so great already straight off the bat. Yeah. Without the small talk. Yeah. Um, And then afterwards we all, like, give each other a hug and we're like, I feel you, like, I see you and I'm feeling what you're feeling. But, you know, like, you you meet new mums at the park and it's like, oh, how's the weather? Oh, yeah, like, my son did this or, you know, like, there's no great Mm. connection Mm. there. And, like, even though they're really lovely people, but I love Circle in that respect that we can talk about real things, you know, like real heart stopping things and we all get each other mm. um yeah circles are great Yeah, oh, yes. circles rock.
0: <laughs> so on sfm i'm talking with katie anderson from goulburn and katie runs beautiful spaces for women uh women's circles intentional gatherings where women can come together and really be themselves and uh, like you were just saying katie you know i thought that really after i'd sat in circle i thought i was pretty much ruined for small talk after that and every time that i went somewhere and um, I had a conversation with someone, then I would uh, think, you know, what are we talking about? Like, why are we talking about the weather and how many poos my baby's done? Or, well, no, actually, I was past that stage then, but uh, that's what you're sort of getting at, right? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. And I thought, I want to talk about other stuff and I want to not be... I want to talk about other stuff without being judged, without people thinking, saying or thinking, oh, what are you on about, you know? Mm-hmm. We're like, really, who wants to talk about periods? Or or who wants to talk about, you know, um, like how we were treated when we first became women? And, mm-hmm. You know, or who wants to talk about, you know, menopause? Like whatever topic that we talk about in circle. So uh, just circling, <laughs> <laughs> pun back, <laughs> to what I was saying about the toilet paper because I got carried away. So you go to the toilet and there's toilet paper there for men and women. So as I said, women sometimes need more than toilet paper. And if you don't have anything, there's nothing there available. So I think that every toilet, public toilet and every school toilet and mm-hmm. every workplace toilet needs to have a supply of, at the very least, menstrual pads, mm-hmm. disposable ones. And um, sure, even have them in a machine that you have to put a dollar in, whatever, like, uh, I do know that if they are provided for free, they very often are abused, especially in high schools. Mm-hmm. Um, they do now provide menstrual products in a lot of high school bathrooms, but, you know, high school, like kids are going to be stupid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so they might just throw them all out or chub them all on the toilet or just be, you know, generally jerks. <laughs> <laughs> so, doesn't really work at the school, but I think at least they need to be available at the front office or something. Although that's another whole level of thing because then the girl feels embarrassed about asking yeah. for the product because it's not normalised, because it's taboo and it's a whole circular argument. So my point is that men, if men also, like say if all, both sexes had periods, there would be free period products mm-hmm. in every bathroom, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> right? So um, – that's what drives me a bit mad is that I understand that you can buy your own menstrual products. I understand that companies make these things and they need to survive and they need to make a profit. That's fine. I do think that the government could subsidise mm-hmm. the cost of these things so that um, particularly for low-earning income women, they can afford – because there's this real – thing called period poverty like it's actually a thing that many mm-hmm. women have to make the choice between buying food or buying period products mm-hmm. and this is just in Australia I'm not even talking about the rest of the world where there's millions of women who just literally bleed into the dirt because there's something else they can do this is why girls don't go to school because mm-hmm. they've got no period products to go to school you know that's another day's conversation um, but so that's what I think that it should be provided um, but a lot of people think no they think no, I actually asked this on social media, you know, should period products be provided in bathrooms at the workplace? And a lot of women said no. They mm-hmm. said no, it's your responsibility. Why should the workplace have to pay for that? And I'm thinking, well, you're a woman, you have biology, you have unpredictable biology, your cares—I'm uh, sorry, your needs should be taken care of at work, just like there's toilet paper in the bathroom. Well, there should be, if not in the bathroom, there should be a place where these products are available when you need them and you're not and you have forgotten or whatever it is, your own. So that's part of my whole, like, transforming the workplace <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, mission. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, let's get back to circles. So I had asked you why you held your... Head. Yes, so I was saying that I also... I couldn't find a circle locally. So, again, I said, oh, well, I'll just hold one, you know. And that's a whole leap of faith, right? So you were very clever to go and do a course in how to hold a circle. Mm-hmm. I think that was very smart. I basically just looked at a bunch of videos from a lady called Mitlay Southie who is online she's English she was living in Australia at the time and she runs a circle school uh, online circle school where you can go and learn how to do this I didn't want to sign up for that I was a bit too scabby (laughs) so instead I just she had a bunch of free videos on her website little five minute videos that were great like what's a circle for how do you set up a circle how do you invite women to your circle what do you put how do you set the room up for a circle? All the really basic stuff, little mm-hmm. short free videos. So mm-hmm. I just watched all of those, mm-hmm. and then I just went and did it in Gunning one day. And about eight women turned up, mm-hmm. which I was that's amazed. Amazing. Yeah, yeah,
1: so yeah, that's amazing.
0: Um, yeah, in it like because Gunning's only got like, well, I don't know, five hundred people or something. Or mm-hmm. well, one someone says five hundred and one says a thousand. So I don't know. I guess let's go seven fifty. <laughs> but the fact that eight women turned up, admittedly, quite a lot of them were my friends. <laughs> And I said, come to my circle. But there were other women there who I didn't know. And I thought that was amazing. And I was so nervous. I bet you were too on your first one. Yes. So, oh, I was so nervous. And I was sweating and I was like shaking. And I had such a tension backache afterwards from holding myself in. And But with all that, I loved it. I loved it. And I'm like, this is what I've got to do. Mm-hmm. I've got to hold these circles. Mm-hmm. And I did up until COVID. And then I stopped, obviously, couldn't hold them in person. And I haven't actually got back to it but. I'm just sort of doing too many other things. <laughs> but, yeah, so tell me, how have you found uh, your experience, Katie, uh, since that first circle? You've probably run about four or
1: f- five, five. or six now, yeah. And how, how yeah. are you
0: feeling now about, about running circle? What's the experience like for you now?
1: Um, I'm much more calmer, obviously. Obviously, the first one, you're very nervous. You're creating this new offering that a lot of people don't really know about. They're still learning about. Um. So now I feel obviously a lot more comfortable in holding space for women. um, But obviously you don't really know what's going to show up for people also. So it's what I have in mind. I let my guides tell me what the women like the collective might need to talk about or need to hear if they need more um, like meditation or if we need more talking like I'll just be guided that with what we talk about and do in circle um Mm -hmm. but yeah holding space for the women you just don't know how they're going to react to something sometimes um but also that's what i love about circle because there's no judging and i distinctly remember holding a circle and a lady came and she was like i don't know why i'm here And then didn't say anything else. And then she just cried the entire time. And then at the end, she was like, okay, now I know why I'm here. Mm. Like, and I didn't know while I was here, but she didn't say anything the whole time. Um, we held her through that. Um, and that's what I love. Like, you don't need to share if you don't feel like sharing. Listening is just as equally as important than sharing what you have to say. And I think sitting in circle and speaking and, talking about your feelings or whatever topic we might be talking about and just knowing that you're safe and supported in that um, is worth its weight in gold because mm. I don't need fixing. Um, I'd, sometimes I don't need people's advice. I just need to say what I need to say and that's fine. Um Yeah,
0: Mm. Yeah. no, that's that's so true, that thing about not needing to be fixed because people see themselves or they are told by others that they are broken in some way, that there's something wrong with them. And, in fact, we actually need to see ourselves as not needing to be fixed. We are already whole. That's what we Mm -hmm. are. Um, And, sure, we may have our own little, you know, issues and things but Mm -hmm. everyone does Mm -hmm. and that's the other thing i love about circle is people is it really connects women to know that they're not the only ones going Mm -hmm. through this so that uh whatever a woman does share there'll always be somebody else and usually most people who will say oh i really resonated with what you said you know about this because i've experienced that same thing or because of whatever and it's amazing when you say something how many other people will then talk about it so and you just didn't know before so Mm -hmm. just as an example uh for the last four years, uh, the listeners here on SFM might have heard me say this a couple of times. I don't know, but um, they do say you need to hear something about seven times before you really yes, get it. Yes,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and if you're talking about social media, you need to see it 27,000 times before you get it. <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, yeah, so I, going through menopause, had a very tough time mentally, and so I ended up considering whether I should take antidepressant medication which I did end up doing and then I didn't want to because there was a whole stigma I thought for me oh I'm weak if I take antidepressants you know I'm not strong enough I'm broken right Mm -hmm. and then so amazing whenever friends I mentioned to about antidepressants I might come out the woodwork like so many people that I knew were already on them Mm -hmm. and had been on them for a long time 10 years 15 years Mm -hmm. you know and and I was like wow I just never knew. I never picked you as someone who would be on antidepressants. And then I thought, well, what does someone look like who's on antidepressants? What dumb thing to say. <laughs> I just, you know, like many people, I had this thing around, like because when we were growing out, no one talked about that kind of thing. Mm. Like these days at school, you've got every second kid saying they're depressed and whatever. It's probably every kid. <laughs> and But when I was at school in the 80s, we didn't talk about we didn't have the words. We didn't really talk about that. Like someone might have been sad, but we never referred to them or ourselves as being depressed because we didn't know what that was.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, like yeah.
0: we didn't have that terminology and or yeah. anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. anxiety, you know, um you know, let's not even go with all the different gender and sexual things that they have these days. It's so confusing to be a teenager these days, I tell you. Um but we just didn't didn't talk about it and we Mm. didn't and it wasn't around whereas now you know mental health um is in the news all the time like there was such a stigma before i remember a friend saying to me this would have been like in the late 90s one friend who lived with us for a while and she said to me i knew she was sad you know she had enough to be sad about that's for sure and one day she said to me oh i'm clinically depressed and i was like what does that mean like, I didn't even know what it meant. That's how much knowledge I had. And she said, oh, it means I need to take some antidepressants. I'm like, oh. <laughs> she said, I feel really bad about it and da-da-da. So, um, but it's not a thing to feel bad about because it, it's like a chemical imbalance in the brain, right? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a sickness like anything else. You would take some Panadol for a headache. You would take some painkillers for, you know, if you cut your leg open. Mm-hmm. So you may take some antidepressants if if your serotonin levels are low. Um, I have no idea how I've gone to this topic. But... <laughs>
1: Just moving on for that, moving from that, I guess. Up, yeah. um, I and I guess, like, no one talks about anything. Sorry, I just had to fix my microphone. Um, where was I going with that?
0: Nobody talks about anything. Yeah,
1: so, like, everything, you know, like, everything's internal, you know, like, and I guess, like, we we did IVF to have our babies, and... At the time it was, you know, 10 years ago now, there was no Facebook page, there was no support. So we did that alone. Um, and I still have PTSD from that period of my life. Um, but I remember I had my second baby and I went to counseling and I was paying an exuberant amount of money to see this woman and I had my babies with me and she, you know, like I was in a sterile environment. It was awful. I paid whatever amount of money to see her every week and I just left feeling even more depressed (laughs) than what I did walking in there. She didn't engage with my babies and I was, you know, running after them while trying to get help myself. Um, But she suggested this new program that they were doing and it was meeting new mums, you know, at this cafe and they um, employed a childcare worker to look after your babies while you had support. Um, And so obviously you're nervous to go because you're like, you know, am I going to know anyone there? Are they going to know that I need counselling, like that I'm struggling here? (laughs) And I remember going and I got – it was like a free program because it was the first time that they were doing something like this – and so, so she, she, oh, I can't even speak. She suggested that I go and I left there so full because I sat with other mums that were struggling like me, but we weren't broken. We weren't fixed. We were just overwhelmed in this new stage of our life with no external support. And I remember leaving, I think it went for six weeks or eight weeks or something, and I got so much out of that just by sitting with other mums and saying, I'm having a hard time today, and that's okay. Like, mm. I'm allowed to feel like, you know, I'm struggling, and that's fine, and some do- some days you don't struggle and you get on with life and everything's fine, and then the next day it's not, and that's totally fine. It's okay to feel those feels, and I think, you know, especially now we don't talk about it and I love circles that you can sit next to another mum and they're like I'm not broken I'm doing all these things for myself like and I'm a person too Um, I shouldn't have to explain myself because I want to go and do these things like I'm I'm allowed to fill my cup up first Mm. Um, and then by filling my cup up I'm then filling their cup up because I'm full I'm happy I've taken an hour out of my day to do something for myself and now I feel great. I feel on top of the world. So let's bring that back home mm. um, yeah, into home life and into your baby's life and, you know, you're happy, they're happy.
0: Yep. That's the ripple effect, right, of circle that, that women <clears throat> often talk about is that you can't pour from an empty cup.
1: That's right. Well, you can
0: pour air out of it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yes, <laughs> like on the
0: Barbie movie, you know, when she goes to have the drink and she thinks it's empty because she's used to pouring empty cups in Barbieland, and then she pours a she has a cup of water in real world and she pours it up near her face and she gets covered with water and she went, "Oh, I wasn't expect that doesn't normally happen." <laughs> but um, on a side note, go and see Barbie. Um, anyway. Uh yes, filling from empty cups. So I'd love to do this demonstration in circle where I actually set up cups. So like wine glasses are good or some other glasses and you put um you put like five glasses down in a triangle, you know, like how you do tympin bowling, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, yep. But five glasses there in a triangle and then you put three glasses on top of those five, they balance, and then you put one glass on top of those three. So you have like a tower of glasses, right? Mm-hmm. And then I pour water into the top glass and the top glass fills and then as it overflows, it fills up the three glasses underneath them and then as they overflow, then they fill up the five glasses underneath them and then if I keep going, it pours into the tray and then I have to stop or it makes a mess. And that's a really good, like... um visual demonstration that really you do not need to pour into everybody else's cups. You literally just need to pour into your own and it will naturally overflow. And as you say, you fill your own cup at circle, then you go home, your family benefits, you know, you're less cranky, you're, you're more patient, you feel a bit more oxytocin, a bit of love towards your family. They, you know, might not, you might be a bit more tolerant of, of all their foibles. And then they might they might feel better, and then they might go to school feeling happier, and then their friends might pick up on that, or your partner might feel a bit better and there's just this ripple effect out into the mm. community yeah and and you know they say always that charity begins at home, or you know you should like things at home you um need to look after your own family first, which is true, and then if that family's looked after, then it can you can help others, but definitely as a woman and as a mum look let's face it, it comes down to the mum most of the time. Uh, massive generalization warning but literally it's still the woman who is mostly doing the that kind of nurturing role at home um, but kudos to all the dads out there but it's still mostly falls to mum and so if mum's cup is full like from circle or from her you know weekly tennis game or from her you know yoga class or from her art class or whatever it is that's just for her just her alone time If she can fill her cup from that, then she can naturally, it will overflow to the others. And this is such an important concept, I think, that women are like, I'm too busy. Oh, no, I feel too guilty. I can't spend time on myself. Yes, the guilt. Yeah. The
1: amount of women that come to circle and they're like, I feel guilty for taking two hours for myself. And that's literally all we get all week. Yeah. Like literally everybody in circle, it's like a force field to even get there. But Mm. once they get there
0: Mm.
1: and they leave. Yep like they're leaving much lighter and much yep. fuller, yeah, much happier because That's they've taken right. that time out
0: yeah, exactly. for themselves. Exactly. And um, well, speaking for taking time out for ourselves here on YesFM, um, I'm afraid, Katie, that I have to wrap it up because it's three minutes to 11. Can you oh, believe my goodness. it? <laughs> oh, my goodness.
1: I was like stressing thinking, what am I going to talk about for an hour? <laughs> and here we are wrapping up already.
0: <laughs> oh, look, we could go on for three hours. I'll have to have you back for part two, yeah? yeah. Um, I'd love so to. Thank you so much, for Katie, for coming on.